Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. I hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake episode number 36. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. As always, I promise you another great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He's always right there beside you and I. Uh, if you find any value in these episodes, the greatest thank you of all is just to pass the word to at least one person that you know to help spread the word. So without further ado, let's get ready to invite uh, God in with us right here, right now. And allow him to speak directly to uh, your heart and mind. So here goes. Here is today's topic. How Satan attacks, deceives, misdirects, accuses, and attempts to destroy you. So we've got a lot to cover. Okay? So if you haven't listened to my very first podcast entitled My Personal Testimony and Introduction to Shaken Awake's first episode, please do so. I'm going to reference a piece of this today that I find is becoming more and more powerful to God's overall uh, will for my life. Uh, For this, I'm going to pull out the part from episode one where God and the Holy Spirit gave me a gift of uh, discernment and of seeking uh, the word and the people and the the things of it um, and for what they are. And, and, and not what they had been uh, with the blinders on in my whole life. And what that meant and still means today is that I have an overwhelming sense of the enemy of God. You know, the voice that speaks to me and the, the voice that wishes to devour me. Satan's smoke and mirrors were destroyed by God the moment that I truly surrendered upon his calling and the tactics and the tools used by the devil and his forces became overly apparent to me, almost to a fault. And what do I mean by that? Um, They say if we were able to see with our human eyes the spiritual world all around us, we wouldn't even be able to handle or endure it. It would literally consume us. So when I have a glimpse into the spiritual warfare that's happening around me, it's a different sight that uh, we're, we're used to seeing and hearing with our human extremities. It's a, uh, let's say, a sixth sense that's real and divine. And sometimes, you know, if, if I'm going to be uh, brutally honest, uh, I wish I, I could have a break from it. But I, I do thank God that he helps me with this and as he's been allowing me to help others see clearly and to direct them to him for improved clarity and, and just understanding and knowledge to see the temptations and the spiritual wealth, uh, warfare that's all around them. And remember this, Satan was one of the most powerful angels in heaven and he was created by God for good, but he turned And pride set him apart from God's plan and purpose. He is not, and I repeat, not the horned, red-faced, sharp-toothed creature with an arrow-pointed-tipped tail. He comes disguised as the most beautiful thing you've ever saw and ever wanted. That's his superpower. He's called the master of deception, the father of lies, the god of this world, and many other names in the Bible. And believe me when I say this, he's rightfully earned every single one of them. You're not too smart for him to deceive. And the moment you believe you are, he's already holding on to one of your feet. And he has, has you in, in, in his grips. As pride is setting in, he attempted to tempt uh, Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. 
the son of God himself, God in human form, Jesus. He actually tried to get Jesus to bow down to him for earthly treasure, to test God by a suicide attempt and rescue, and to quench his own thirst and hunger by performing miracles as a human. What makes you think you are an exception? You're not. In fact, he doesn't have to go that far to entice you or I to sin and fall into a slippery slope. You and I are much too easy to trick and fool than that. And a Jesus, we are not and will never be. So how does Satan manipulate us? How does the devil create lies that deceive us? How does Lucifer ensnare us? How does the dragon attempt to destroy us? After all, he's had since before the garden to perfect his craft, has he not? His first victims, Eve and and then Adam, that went flawless. So flawless that he caused the downfall of all humanity by, by just convincing the first humans that they needed to question God. And he succeeded within minutes. And we like to think and say, how could they have been that dumb? Well, here's the brutal truth. That's bride kicking in. You and I would have done the exact same thing as they did. That's how he works. And that's how good he is at deception and defeat. Within minutes, he had two people that were physically created by God himself and communed with God daily in person over a stupid piece of fruit. And you think you can outsmart the devil? You cannot. And even the thought that you can is sin. It's pride. See how he works? So I'm going to break down the most common ways that he wins daily against us, or at least tries, and then show what the Bible says about each of those areas. They don't teach this in church. God teaches this in the Bible. At least I had never heard this growing up in any church. Another way he confuses and deceives. Yes, even in the church. But before I do, I want to share a two-minute story that puts one of his efforts on full display as a recent example that I encountered with a member of the body of, the, uh, of Christ. On social media, I saw a post by a, uh, a well-known friend in Christ of mine, and the post was not like their normal posts. Typically, they're praising Jesus, uh, you know, spreading the good news, motivating others through uh, Bible verses and memes, etc. And this day, their post was more of a crying out for help and them questioning their own faith. And and uh, them pleading for the truth as to whether they were worthy of being saved and also questioning if they had the knowledge needed to be truly saved and headed toward heaven, followed by a fear of going to hell and then some. And I knew immediately it was attack of the enemy. He did what he's a professional at, which is causing people to be in fear, doubt, questioning themselves, questioning God, doubting their faith in anguish and in pain. So I immediately got on the phone and within two minutes of using scripture-based reference, he fled this Christian. The devil fled. God intervened and he cast the devil away and he left his 99 to rescue his one. And he succeeded as always. It wasn't me who did anything. God came to the rescue and his child was willing to hear his voice while drowning out the voice of the wicked one. Can you imagine if and when the scenario is dealt to a non-believer or a backslidden or lukewarm Christian? It happens billions and billions of times all around the world. Every single waking hour of every single day. He is successful, the enemy, way more than he should be. 
And my hope for you today is to walk away with an awareness of how the God of this world attempts to destroy you from within and what God says about these areas of temptation and deception. You know, awareness and the desire to dwell in God's word in order to have the armor of God on at all times is paramount to full protection against the enemy's arrows and darts. He'll always attack. Doesn't mean you have to be hit by his arrows and become devoured, however. So before we begin going down this important list, I want to make it clear right now, as hard as it was for me mentally and spiritually to only pick one or two Bible verses at most, I need and I want you to know that there are literal, literally hundreds of verses throughout the Bible that address each of these areas and more. So please don't stop at only the ones I'm reading and expressing to you, but seek out the word of God on your own for his complete guidance and understanding from the Holy Spirit, please. Okay, so one area of the devil's uh, tactics is he causes us to think we're less than. And so when he does, remember this, Matthew 10, 29 to 30, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You're not less than. He makes us envious of others. So when he does, remember this verse, James 3, 14 to 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So he has us believe that there are such things as little sins versus big sins. And when he does, remember this verse, James 2.10. If you have committed one sin, you are guilty of all. Okay, And he makes us think and believe and act upon who we were or used to be and what happened in our past. And when he does, remember this verse, Ephesians 2, 1 to 22, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, so he also makes us easily get angry towards one another and stay angry with others, which is you know non-forgiveness. So when he does, remember these verses of Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I'll never forget that. First time I read it, it was blown away. I'll read it again, Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
Satan also makes us question God and his plan for our life. So when he does, remember this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So you delight in the way of the Lord and he will establish your steps. He, uh, the enemy also makes us believe that we're better than we are. You know, when he does that, remember this verse, Mark 10, 43 to 45, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let that sink in. Also, he he does a great job at making us think we have all the time in the world to get right with God. So when he does that, remember remember this verse. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So sometimes he also, uh, in, in conjunction with that, makes us forget the countdown clock, right? To death. It happens the second we're born. So when he does, remember these, James 4, 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And that one made me think. And I thought, you know, up until now I'm 44. You know what? It is like a mist. So if I die tomorrow, no matter when, that verse holds true. Just here for a little while. Psalms 90, 10 to 14. The years of our lives are uh, 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. You know, he has us wanting and wanting and wanting more, just mesmerized by the things of this world. And when he does, remember remember this verse, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yes, that's what, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing along along with its desires. But whoever does the will of, the, of God abides forever. Another thing he does, he makes us downplay the severity of sin in our lives. And when he does, remember this verse, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and uh, proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He has us believing that being a Christian or a Sunday Christian and John 3, 16 together save us. When he does, remember this, Titus 3, 4 to 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And Matthew 22, 36 to 40, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you should love your Lord, the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He has us believe that we can do whatever we please as long as we're not quote unquote too bad, right? And when he does, remember these verses, Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It's not you, it's the Lord. And he provides a trillion distractions, and when he does, remember this one, Luke 21 to 34, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He provides traps, disguises uh, disguised as good. And when he does, remember this verse, Ephesians 4 to 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. One thing I notice, he whispers in our ear some sweet, I don't know, everything. And we eat it up. And when he does, remember this verse, Proverbs 2, 1 to 5, my son, if you receive my words and treasures up, uh, treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You will be able to distinguish the, 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 the two. Acts 17, 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. And here's what I want to highlight. Examining the scripture daily to see if these things were so. So when they heard a voice and they wanted to, to seek guidance, they went to the scriptures and they went to the scriptures daily. That is the, the, the uh, takeaway. Um, he also tries to disguise his voice as that of God's. So when he does, remember this verse, John 10, 27 to 30, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and I and the father are one. He tempts, right? He tempts us and then he accuses us. 
So when he does, remember these verses. These are very important. James 4 to 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Revelation 12, 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of uh, his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them. Listen to this, who accuses them day and night before our God. Now check this out. First John 2, 1 then says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, listen, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Do you understand that? Satan accuses us day and night to the Father, and Jesus is there pleading our case on our behalf to the Father day and night. Did you know that? So there's a huge difference between conviction, right, and accusation. So when the Spirit of God convicts you, he uses the Word of God in love. He seeks to bring you back into fellowship with your Heavenly Father. He gets you to focus upon God and His forgiveness. He draws you to the cross of Christ. He leads you to repentance and He moves you closer to the Lord. But when Satan accuses you, He uses your own sins in a hateful way. He seeks to make you feel helpless and hopeless. He gets you to focus your attention upon yourselves and and your sins. He drives you away from the cross of Christ. He wants you to experience regret and remorse, but not repentance. And he moves you farther and farther away from the Lord. True conviction from the spirit will move you closer to the Lord. You know, Judas, Judas listened to the devil and went out and hung himself in complete despair. But Peter looked in the face of Jesus and wept bitterly, but later came back into fellowship with Christ. Don't let anything keep you from coming to the cross and repenting of your sins and experiencing the wonderful cleansing work of forgiveness in your life. Another thing he tries is to keep our attention off of God and away from God and into the things of the world. And so when he does, remember this verse, Matthew 6, 24 to 34, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap, uh, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. How powerful is that? Uh, Satan also tempts us to worship idols and believe they're not even idols. And so when he does, remember this, an idol is anything that replaces the one true God in our lives. Jesus spoke about the peril of losing our first love in his rebuke of the church at Ephesus. And he said, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It's Revelations 2, 3 to 4. Another thing the deceiver will do is he'll do anything to have us do his bidding for us. You know, we may be going to heaven, but he's still going to use us 
to get others not to if he can. So when he does, remember this, Romans 14, 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So my final statement to this is is is, uh, is this. The thought of a Christian feeling worthless and unworthy is a lie from no one other than the devil. He's been a liar from the beginning and he's trying to stop you from doing God's will for your life. Resist the devil by putting on the full armor of God. You know, you were bought with a price. God brought Jesus to die for you. God loves you. God is near you. God encourages you. God loves to listen and answer your prayers. God has a plan for you. So how are you worthless? God knows your name. He knows every single thing about you. Would God come to live inside someone who is worthless? Do you know how big God is? You know, Jesus was thinking about you when he died for you. He hasn't forsaken you. God might seem silent, but he's working. He will continue to work in your life until the end. Out of love, he's engraved your name on his palm. When have you ever heard of a master putting the name of his servant on him? Never. So remember these verses and remember Jesus died for your sins knowing that you would be born a sinner. He loves you that much. He's given you everything you need to stay protected from the one he's already defeated. So my final question to you is then this, how often do you put on and wear the full armor of God? Because with it on, the devil's attacks cannot penetrate. Greater is he who is in you than who is in the world, right? So how often are you in the word where the sword of the spirit and the belt of truth are held, both weapon and unfailing truth from God both dwell? And are there days you're forgetting to put them on? Those are the days the devil keeps watch on you for. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again uh, for tuning in. And I hope you were touched by today's message in scripture. I'd like to ask you a quick favor only if you received any value out of today's show. Uh, Would you tell at least one person you know? Call them, text them. I am them, email them, talk to them. Just tell them to give the show a listen. And you can check out the show at shaken-awake.com. Email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or call me or text me directly for any reason at 407-493-3208. And if you have any ideas for the show or a great testimony, just please connect with me. So next week... Tune in next Sunday or whenever you're able as we dive into another important topic of our day, which is, are you actually in love with God or simply the idea of him and heaven? Next week's episode is another powerful and do not miss episode. Thank you all for joining. And until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all. 